Yeah, it's so good. It's so bad that it's good. That is the wrong answer, actually. <laughs> it's just a wild romp. I am feeling this. Yeah, yeah, yeah! All of them! What are you talking yourself into? I'm trying to talk myself into that. This is what this podcast is for. We're also trying to talk you into it. Thank you for listening to Talk Me Into, the podcast where a group of friends try to talk each other and maybe even you into liking what we like. This episode, it's La La Land. Uh, no, it's it's not, Dan. Guys, guys, it's Moonlight. It's Moonlight, guys. My name's Dan, and I prefer brown leather over black leather. <laughs> My name is Jimmy, and I wrote a song, Everybody Goes Poopy, when I was six. <laughs> we wrote a song. My name is Jeff, and when I'm the first car at a red light, I like to stop about a car's length before the line and every so often inch forward to see if the car's behind me inch with me. That's <laughs> I it. do that, too. That's all I got. <laughs> That's a fun one. What do you find? Do they usually do it? Usually, yes. And they I think it is a subconscious way for them to just feel like they're making progress. Yeah, they, they make progress or if they just accept their place in the hierarchy of the traffic line. Yeah. Yeah. So everybody goes poopy is a song that Dan and I wrote when I was six years yeah, old. Jimmy had the lyrics can and you, I put music to it. Can you sing the lyrics to me? I do, don't do remember, remember it. Oh, I remember it. Dan remembers it. Jimmy probably doesn't remember because he was like four and I was like... <laughs> I was six. And I was like, what, 12 then? You were 14, I think. Oh, okay. It was... Uh, this was the same year we did the Blues Brothers. Everybody goes poopy. <laughs> and then that happens four times and then you get the bridge, which is some people go in the toilet. Some people go in the, the sea. Sink. The sea. Oh, I thought it was the sink. <laughs> we go poopy in the toilet. So come and go poopy with me. And then back to the refrain. Wow. <laughs> Is it like, do male cousins have to write songs about poop? Because my cousin and I also had poop songs <laughs> called Wiping My Butt. Yeah. Oh, I, I think one. it's a rule. Yeah. My cousin had a character called George Jerry, and he would sing about poop. And wiping his butt while he wiped his butt. And we recorded it on a cassette one time. Cool. Like 15 minutes of poop songs. And I might have it. I might still have Wiping My Butt featuring George Poop Jerry. Cool. We lost all of our listeners. <laughs> <laughs> or um, we've gained Patreon listeners because if I have it, it's going up there. Yeah. You know what else is going to go on Patreon? Guys, guess what I found? What? You know because I showed you. Yeah, yeah you did. I found a VHS tape from my senior year in high school's video editing class. I've heard, oh boy. I've heard about this video for years. It's so good. Yeah. It's not as long as I remember, or there's not as much <laughs> you stuff. You probably put but, so much work into it. Oh, my God. It was a semester's worth of work. Um, one of them was called Jeffzilla, <laughs> and it was me as Godzilla, but really it was just me uh, <laughs> trying to like crush this car that was a Hot Wheels that we were pulling on a string. And, it's on brand. And we put... um. That Elvis remix from Ocean's Eleven in the background. <laughs> Littlest conversation. Yeah, it was really bad. But the other nice. one is like a PSA for trash cans. And I was <laughs> Which is the one that I remember. I was very uh two thousand two pop punk. Oh yeah. It was Jeff looks so like cringy. everyone who worked at Hot Topic the first <laughs> time you saw Hot Topic. <laughs> like, That's true. Jinko jeans for days. My necklace was actually just a chain from the hardware store fastened with a safety pin in the back. Nice. Mm. I took that same exact video class too. Um So did I. With Miss Milo? Yeah. Yes. Um uh I think she's a uh, she has a new last name now. But um Shh, marriage, right? <laughs> down with the patriarchy my video was i think it was how to graduate high school and mine was just like get a diploma write your name on it you're done so the reason why we're talking about this right now is because if you want to see that video if you want to see videos of us cooking if you want to hear old podcasts we've done old music we've done you got to join the patreon yeah patreon.com slash talk me into there's a handful of stuff already up there there's going to be more yeah oh yeah with your support do it do it This is the part of Talk Me Into, where we tell each other what we're talking ourselves into, 
It's not a big deal. It's usually usually pretty boring, but you know, we're not jet-setting multimillionaires. I mean, you are. We could be. You don't you don't know me. Uh, you know, this week uh talking myself back into something that I love that's kind of fallen off the last couple of months due to a different schedule, uh lethargy, laziness, whatever you want to call it. Okay. Talking myself back into cooking because Ooh. let's face it, I love it, but it's a lot of work. Yeah. And I haven't been doing it a lot. Been eating a lot of garbage food or just easy meals uh out of necessity so my body survives. Paying those eight dollar delivery fees and Grubhub. Yeah. They're uh they're bad, but you know, just I want to cook more. And I made some chicken tikka masala the other night. And it, you know, a pound of chicken lasts a long time if you know how to how to do it especially because your wife's not going to eat it no she she loves chicken tikka masala oh, really one of the reasons why i make it oh wow yeah. she's a masala monster that's funny because <laughs> she's pretty picky yeah that's i don't tell her the spices i put in it sorry about those plosives there jim that's fine <laughs> <laughs> we so, should do a cooking video with chi- chicken tikka masala because oh, yeah. i'm actually Ooh. very interested it's in super easy that. yeah and that might be really on patreon fun. in the future yeah we should do that yeah but actually, what we're going to do for Patreon is we're going to cook some Thanksgiving sides. Oh, that's true. Yeah, we so are doing that soon. Coming up soon, you can see my candied walnut and beet salad. Yeah. So you got to get on this cooking. You got to get back into the cooking if we're going to, you know, do some Patreon stuff. Yeah. You know, it's got to be on top of your it game. It never really went away, but like I used to do it every day. Mm-hmm. And I just want to do it more. More home meals, please. Yeah. I like it. I'm with you, buddy. James. <laughs> Jeffrey. What are you talking yourself into this week? So this week, it's quite ironic because um, I am talking myself into making grocery lists. Wow, it's thematic. <laughs> so this is an interesting one because I was super duper duper broke this week and I basically needed to make a grocery list because I needed I needed it for budgetary reasons. I was like, yeah. all right, so what do I need to get? But I found it super helpful because I can plan out meals. I could be planning on, um, I don't have to walk through the entire grocery store. You need it if you want to make specific things. Yeah, yeah. Because you're sure. going to forget something. Even with a list, you'll probably forget. Yeah. But you need it. But I was always that boy that was just walking around and I would just pick out stuff as, uh, usually stuff that's on sale, but... You know, I'm actually thinking about stepping my game up. I'm thinking about looking into grocery ads and couponing. Yeah. Jimmy, as a representative of people in their 30s, I would like to welcome you to your 30s. (laughs) I'm only 24. Get there. Skip it. It's fun. Grocery shopping with coupons is great. As somebody whose profession is to procure groceries, I am for this. (laughs) Buy more groceries and keep your boy employed. (laughs) Absolutely. Off mic, I would love to have a conversation with you about buying meat in bulk and vacuum sealing it separately and storing in your freezer. Oh. It will change your way of life. I like it. Dan, what is your level of grocery listing? How do you do it? Guys, as someone who has no memory, I've been making lists since I was a child. (laughs) And I'm going to tell you that the way I keep a grocery list for me, I can't even remember an item long enough until I get to a piece of paper. So I've got a grocery list going on my Amazon Echo. Oh, that is. So I can just, (laughs) as I use the pepper, I can shout out. I'm not going to say it now because she'll be quite confused, but I will use the code word. And I will say, add pepper to my grocery list. And she says, I've added pepper to your grocery list. <laughs> then when I get to the grocery store, I pull up that app, I go to the list, and as I put the items in my cart, I can check them off. So I have a magnetic notepad on my fridge. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And if I run out of something, I add it. So through the course of the week or whatever, we have a list of things we ran out of. Mm-hmm. And then... We'll sit down and think of other things we need. If I have a recipe coming up, if you she go wants through the circular. No, we don't do. We're not yeah. at that level yet. But what we do after we have the fullest, we break it down into different stores, right? So Aldi is yeah. our first store because that place is ridiculously cheap. Oh yeah, like you know, it's cheaper than anything with coupons. But so, they got some gross stuff. No, that's why we divide it. We know what's good and what's bad there. So we go to <laughs> Aldi. We have the Aldi list. We have the grocery store list. We have the department store list, like Walmart or Target. Mm. I do the same. And if it's like specialty stuff, I'll have like a separate Indian store list. Hit all of those in a row. 
And like if we're getting the bulk of refrigerated stuff at one store, we'll hit that store last. So yeah. it's all planning, Jim. This is good. Your your thirties are going to be because I didn't even start this until I was, I was going to be in my prime by the time. Yeah, I hit you're, you're going to be a retired D4SA by thirty. That's what I am. <laughs> That's actually true. I'm now a widower. That, now that you remind me, I should probably hit the uh, Indian market up to get that masala chai tea. Oh, latte. I was there last week. It was good. Good news. And then I get so excited when I'm there because all the spices, you get a whole bunch of dill for like $1.29. You're getting seven times the amount of dill you would ever use, but then it goes bad because you don't need that much dill. Nobody needs that much dill. <laughs> yeah. So, Jimmy, what I'm going to encourage you to do is keep working on the list and take it one step further. First, explore a few different stores. Find your preferred store or, in mm-hmm. Jeff's case, stores. Get on the circular game because not, not necessarily to clip coupons, yeah. But also just to see what's on sale. So mm-hmm. like I'm going to make obviously I know that like for each meal traditionally I'm going to want like a protein, a starch and a vegetable or a protein and two vegetables. Mm-hmm. I'm going to make my decision on what those are based on the circular. What's oh, on yeah. sale. That's how you shop efficiently, my friend. All right. I like it. We're freaking old. Dan, what are you talking yourself into? Well, this steers away a little bit from the food theme, but it does stay quite on brand on being old. <laughs> I'm talking myself into Prime Wardrobe. Have you guys heard of this new feature? I've heard of it, yes. but I don't know how it works. Okay, so when you are shopping for clothing on Amazon Prime... Uh, which I've done, and it's hit or miss. Exactly. They now have a feature that is pretty wide-ranging what's what's acceptable to, to, to use for this feature. Um, a lot of brands are covered under it, but basically you select several items that are considered prime wardrobe eligible you enter them you have a limit as to how many you can get i think it's like eight items those eight items can be shipped to you you put your credit card information they do not charge your credit card they ship the eight items to you you try them on you have seven days to decide if you want to keep them or if you don't want to keep them you send whatever you don't want back and they charge you for whatever you keep so that's a lot of companies do that. So Amazon yeah. seems like it's late to the game. It is late to the game, but it's convenient if you're already a prime member right. and they have a huge variety of stuff to choose from. Mm-hmm. So I'm in the market for a pair of black boots, preferably like Chelsea boots. It's a style of boot. Yeah. You're a boot guy. Yeah. So I've looked a few places, but they're not like super on trend right now. So if you go to a shoe store, you might see like one. Yeah, I went to Red Wings with you. Yeah. And um, so I'm not having a lot of good luck. So I decided to try the Prime Wardrobe and I literally entered like, I think I chose three pairs of boots and one of them I wasn't sure about the sizing on. So I got like two different sizes of the same boots. And then I threw a couple shirts in there just to fill out the box. So because I use Prime Wardrobe, it worked out great because I hated all the clothes. If I had bought any one of those pairs of boots, I would be stuck with it or have to go through an annoying return process. Mm-hmm. Instead, I literally tried everything on, didn't like them, put them back in the box, sent them back, and my card was never charged. So now I picked out like five more pairs of bo- boots and they'll be here in two days. Nice. It's cool. I can't do that. I get packages stolen way too often. Yeah, I don't have that, that issue. Sucks. It's pretty safe here. So Yeah, I mean, when you live on a city on street, and then they're like, we left it in your mailbox, but it's a box the size of a coffee table. Yeah. <laughs> I'm surprised I don't have that issue because I live in a condo complex, so it's like a hundred people that are living right there. It's too bad you have your front door locked because you have a foyer section. Well, I had to unlock it, but it's a pain because you have to unlock it, leave a note for them to put it in, and some delivery people won't because they don't want to be liable for anything. Yeah. Um. But then if you report that a box is missing to your carrier, that carrier, the driver, depending on the carrier, like UPS, for example, they're unionized. And if they get a complaint like our box was stolen and they tell the driver, the driver, if you're not home, has the his own right to not deliver it. And then yeah. you have to go and physically pick it up. And it's such a pain. Yeah, yeah that's, that's happened to me before. But if you live in a regular residence and you don't have those kind of issues, I, I encourage you to check out Prime Wardrobe. Yeah, it's- if you're not a bougie city dweller. <laughs> I mean, like... I still think like if I'm unsure about a clothing item, if you can find it in a store and try it on, that's the best way to yeah. do it because it's like instant gratification. Well, like shoes, I wear the same pair of shoes and yeah, I go so on Amazon, buy, it. buy the same size. And- <laughs> but if you're if you're on the fence about something, you want to experience it and you can't find it in person, try out Prime Wardrobe. Not a sponsor. I wish they were. Amazon, Give free me some stuff. Of that Bezos money now. Big time. I'm done now.
Moonlight is a movie that I was, I wouldn't say forced to watch, but I was, I was somewhat interested in it because I never heard anything about it. My, a buddy of mine uh, asked me if I wanted to do a double feature with him. And I said, yeah, sure. So he asked me if I wanted to see the, um, it's an Amazon produced movie called The Handmaiden and also watching this movie called Moonlight. And I never heard of Moonlight. And uh, turns out I went to go see it and then it turned out to be the best picture for the Oscars. Yeah. I had no idea about it. And um, so, yeah, we're going to talk about it. That you had no clue for. That I had no clue for. <laughs> and um turns out to be a really good movie and I really enjoyed it. Dan really enjoys it as well. Yes. And we're going to try and talk Jeff into it. I don't think you have an uphill battle here. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's just a movie that I haven't watched that I've been wanting to watch. Um, critically acclaimed. Oscar winning. I think it's an A24 movie, which I am usually think a fan so. Of. I yeah. think this was the first A24 movie I saw. And you typically fall in line with the Academy's idea of what makes a good movie. For the most part, yeah. yeah. You're not um, like one of those people that's like, for the fans, not the critics, dude. <laughs> no, I'm not. I mean, there's there's good movies that aren't I know aren't shouldn't get an Oscar. <laughs> We've had some uh, romantic outings to see Academy nominated movies. Like Shape of Water, I loved, but I don't think it should have won the best picture that year. Yeah, but, but like I get it. It was of that caliber. Yeah, like that's a, it was really good. Prestige movies. Yeah. Funny enough, so that movie The Handmaiden is also a movie about like sexuality and stuff. And I went to my buddy Cooper who I didn't really know at the time. I kind of knew him. We we hung out a couple times, but we did kiss each other once at a Halloween party because Keep of drunkenness. Cool. <laughs> and uh, at the end of the movie, the second movie, which was Moonlight, I was like, are you trying to tell me something? Or Yeah, so what Jimmy's alluding to is that Moonlight, as well as apparently the other film he the saw that day, yeah. are about people coming to terms with their homosexuality. Yeah. Oh, like that Black Mirror season five episode. Didn't, Didn't see it. You didn't. You we had the Black Mirror episode. You guys didn't watch season five. I've I watched some, but yet. I haven't. The video game one with Anthony Mackie. I've cool. been meaning to watch it. I haven't seen it yet. Um. So Jeff, what's your exposure to Moonlight? You haven't seen it. Do you know the? I plot? know that Mahershala Ali is in it, mm -hmm. and that he will always be Richard from the forty four hundred to me, <laughs> and he holds a special place in Throwback. my heart. Um, that's all I know. I know it's a tale about a uh, gay guy in like miami or something yeah maybe i'm wrong so basically what the movie does it, it it takes um it takes a little chapter out from um three points of this guy's life three um, slices yeah oh. so so it, it goes from early childhood um to adolescence and then adulthood basically um so a little say it's a coming of age story yeah jim <laughs> jim the format does Come separate on. it though <laughs> Yeah, you do see him at three right. very different time periods, and he's portrayed by three different actors, which is a unique feature. Yes. Oh. Okay. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I really enjoyed this movie. I thought it was a very well done movie. Yeah, it's directed by Barry Jenkins, who yep. um went on to direct one of my favorite movies of the recent past few years, which is um, and I forgot the name. So of the good, movie. I can't remember the name. That's Steel me Street. though. Yes, thank you. That doesn't say, speak to the quality of the movie. That speaks to the quality of my poor memory. <laughs> He directed If Beale Street Could Talk, which that I was also a great loved. movie. Yeah, that was really good. We saw that together, didn't we? Um, we did. We saw that together. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, sure. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, this movie also has really good cinematography as well. Yeah, it's um, beautiful. Yeah, really well shot. Uh, really well executed. The acting is superb. Um, writing is very good. Definitely a slice of life movie. Um, like there's no stakes in this movie. It's basically just a character study. Cool. Yeah. Dan, I mean, do you have anything else to add? sounds or? good to me. Like, I'm pretty excited to watch it. Yeah. Yeah, it's really well done. Um, there's a little connection, as we mentioned a few weeks ago in our Castle Rock episode. This film stars Andre Holland, who stars in Castle Rock. So yeah. you'll recognize that face as well. That's how I found out Jeff never saw Moonlight. Yeah. So here we are. We're doing an episode on it. Wow. Yeah. So, Jimmy, we're asking Jeff to watch the first 20 minutes of Moonlight. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, I mean, that doesn't work with movies. We're, we're going uh, to watch Moonlight. Yes, and it is streaming on Netflix, I believe. I know it is streaming on Netflix. I'm not sure if it's anywhere else, but it's on Netflix, so you can find let's, it there. Let's just, if, you, if you can't get access to Netflix somehow in 2019, are you even American? I mean, you can also like rent it from Amazon Prime or YouTube for a small fee. It's true. So watch it. It's good. You'll like it. If you don't, 
watch La La Land. <laughs> Ready? Yeah, I'm just singing our bed. <laughs> we watched a movie called Moonlight. It's on a streaming service called Netflix for free. It's on other streaming services for money because I looked for it on Amazon Prime and they tried to charge me and I was like, oh boy. Yeah, I'm pretty sure good. it used to be on Amazon Prime because I think so. Yeah. A24 has a deal worked out with them. but Ooh. It's also on different forms of media like digital video discs, yep. Blu-ray discs. Uh, not VHS because they stopped producing those uh, in what? mass in 2006. But who knows? Maybe our kids will bring them back like we brought back vinyl records. The <laughs> world is a crazy place and anything could happen. But that's not what Moonlight's about. <laughs> Jeff, what is Moonlight about? Moonlight is about small boy. Well, actually, just a, a man also. It's about a character. It's a teenager. He's different ages. Yeah. Uh, Chiron. And he goes by different nicknames throughout this movie. Like yeah. uh, like you guys mentioned, it takes place in three different periods in Chiron's life, uh, played by three different actors, which isn't usually the case. Usually it's like if they do a kid, they'll get like a kid. But then when he's older, they'll have like, you know, the same actor, but in different like mm-hmm. wardrobes. But these are three different actors. The kids like I think he's like 10, maybe when it starts. Yeah, he looks young. And then he's in high school in the, the second part of his life. And then he's probably late 20s, early 30s um, in the third part. And it follows him, and he's he's a geek. You know, he's a little nerdy boy. Well, it opens up with him being bullied, basically. He's yeah, being exactly. chased. He's being chased by a group of people, and um, he runs into this, like, abandoned flop house. Crack like house. Crack house. Mm-hmm. And um, Juan, who's played by Mahershala Ali, you, you see that be- before he's being chased, they introduced you to Juan, and he's like a drug kingpin kind of um they don't really get yeah into they it, see but... him talking to the the guy in the street basically yeah and the, the guy is trying to give him money and he's like no the re- cash register is open on the weekends you know just keep that for now um so you're they allude that he's the guy in charge mm-hmm. so he's he's a big character to play with and you know drug dealers are hard asses um I but he's assume. got a heart of gold he does because he sees these Ooh. kids getting chased he goes to this flop house breaks in He's trying to help this kid. He sees a little kid in harm's way, and um, the kid doesn't talk at all. And then he he brings the kid to his friend Teresa's house, you know, to take care of him. Well, first he out. takes him to, like, a diner to get food. Oh, yeah, and they eat food. And I'm like, this is cool. This kid's getting some free grub from this grown <laughs> man. But, like, he's playing it smart. Like, he's not really talking to the guy, but the guy doesn't want to help him. He's being genuine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's trying to find out, like, where do you live? You know, I got to take you home. Like, and he won't tell him any information. Yeah, so then he gets taken to um, his friend Teresa's house where he's eating more food. And I'm yeah. like, this is the luckiest. <laughs> kid. Like, yeah, he's getting bullied, but he's getting so much free food. That food looks good, too. It Fried was. Chicken. And she's played by Janelle Monet, who was looking Janelle okay. <laughs> <laughs> I hate you so Good much. one, Jeff. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I, I will agree. She looked very attractive in this movie. Um, yeah, she did look very good. But I m- mostly just said it because the joke was there. Um <laughs> But it's also true. I mean, let's not put down Mahershala Ali, too. No, he, I mean, he's a talking, handsome boy. We're talking 90s Florida fashion fly. Dude, The f- it is so good. So, like, they never say the years in this, which I like when movies mm-hmm. do because it's like it. you're not beholden to yeah. that specific date. Like, the Goldbergs, 1980-something. You mm-hmm. can take things from different years and it'll be fun. But, yeah, dude, he is looking like a kid and play fly boy. Yep. <laughs> oh, show. <clears throat> Especially in the beginning of this movie, like do rag Hawaiian shirt. Oh yeah, because it's it's in Miami, so you gotta yeah. be a little floral. He swagged out. He is. Um. So then he he says, you know, my name's Chiron. They call me Little. Um. Eventually, I mean, you guys could jump in too. This isn't the <laughs> Jeff show. No, you're doing a good job. So he decides, like, he still won't tell them where he lives or, like... Yeah, like, he's either scared or embarrassed, and you can't really tell, because He doesn't seem to have a happy home life, either. Like, no. they ask him, come on, like, we want to take you home to your mom, and mm-hmm. he, like, doesn't say anything. And then um, Teresa says, do you want to stay here the night? And he, like, nods yes. Yeah. So he stays a whole night. Yeah. Juan brings him home to the mom, who's like, where were you? And he kind of explains to the mom where her son was and you know he goes into this house and it's like a crappy little house and the mom's probably and like 
the mom says nothing about it really she's just kind of like okay don't ever do that again or whatever and she just and it, like looks disapproving at Juan like yeah mis- not trusting right and just the fact that her son was missing the entire night and she just didn't care with a strange man yeah it's it you go to show like how great of a mom she is from the very beginning yeah it's not not a good so look. then you start to see some of uh little's friends with his relationship relationship with his friends Mm -hmm. um and they're playing football but it's like made out of newspaper so they're like super poor it's like their own little made up game yeah it's like soccer they're like kicking it around but they don't even have a ball which like yeah i didn't have money growing up i had a ball yeah they're in the proyectos for sure barry jenkins does Uh, such a good job at showing like the level of poverty that they're at with that they're showing that they're playing ball with a bunch of newspaper they're having a uh, well, little having a good time. Yeah. Yeah. They're having a great time, but they're also um, little is also making a hot bath out of himself by boiling water and then putting in the bathtub. Yeah. He does a good, that's showing without telling. Oh sure. yeah. You never hear these characters complaining about being broke. This yeah. is just their life and they're, yep. you know what they're dealing with. I, I will, I will just gush about this movie forever. Just the cinematography, the color, um, I will it's say it's really good. I mean, that plays into the title of the movie too, which we get into. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, but I definitely sure. want to give credit where credits due. The cinematographer James Laxton and the colorist Alex Bickle um, gives you such a feeling of nostalgia, without obviously blatantly saying anything like, "Oh yeah, it's 1992." Like they're just like giving you the colors, they're giving you the fashion. It's colorful, but it's still kind of muted. Like, oh yeah, in, yeah, in yeah. the day, which is. It's kind of weird how it brings you back to that time. Oh, yeah, for sure. It's so good. It's very well done. Yeah, and th- so when they're playing like this weird game, um, he's still getting picked on, getting called the derogatory F word. Yeah. Um, and, you know, he's just a little kid. Like, that That was basically my name in school also. <laughs> yeah. So, so I, I know we've all been like. called that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, and then you meet his friend, kev at the time they become friends he's mm-hmm. like you know why don't you stand up for yourself why don't you do this so then they kind of like fight but not really like they're just he's like he's trying to prove that yeah you little could, can stand up for himself he's like you could stand up for yourself and you know they're just like he made a friend finally cool this guy's got a friend mm-hmm. but there's we start to see the early like that there could be more to this relationship um when they first walk up to kevin little notices that kevin's jaw is bleeding and they share like sort of this embrace. Yeah, he he touches <laughs> his jaw where he's bleeding, and Kevin like lets him, and it lingers a little bit too long, and then. So if I didn't know what this movie was about, I wouldn't have picked up on that. I would have just been like, "Oh, he made a friend. He noticed his friend is hurt. He's going to tend to him." I think I noticed it before I saw it, and I didn't know what it was about. I think the camera does linger linger a mm-hmm. little bit longer on that touch. But a lot of these scenes so far are pretty slow and lingering. So yeah. myself, I would not have picked up on and I also, anything other you know, than just friendship. It's enough. Especially l- at that l- age. Let me clarify. Yeah, I don't think he's trying to sexualize it at all. No, I don't think I so think either. he's just trying to say that um, these two are willing to step out of the masculine norms that these types of kids usually are especially afraid to step out of. in that time being black men mm-hmm. yeah well boys but yeah so there's that there's they that touch men. of the face which normally would not be socially acceptable and then even after their little tussle it's very reminiscent of a post-coital scene they're both laying side by side out of breath <laughs> panting I'm not saying sexual in, in, retro- in retrospect I can see that yes I'm saying that it's He's showing you that they're willing to step outside of gender norms. That's yeah. all I'm saying. There was also an early meeting of the D club in this as well. Yeah, I was going to bring up the D club. So <laughs> little he um he walks into a room like a bathroom or a locker yeah. room, and a group of kids are showing their wieners to each other. <laughs> like, and he doesn't know in what's going sort on. Sort of an just, innocent way. They're like, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, mine doesn't look like that. It looks like a peanut and stuff. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was like really funny. And then he walks in and just like jumps in and shows his ween. Oh, well, Kevin's like, "Are you alone?" And he like goes over and locks the door behind him and stuff. Yeah, it's pretty, pretty wacky. Yeah, and there, you know, there's a. We'll go back because um, there was a scene with Juan sitting on the beach, which in itself is like a, a huge scene. Um, the the beach itself throughout the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he, he's talking to to Little, and he tells him like this this story about this advice that an older lady gave him one time when he was younger, and the title of the film 
in Moonlight, black boys look blue. Yeah, and that's mm-hmm. the title of the book that the film is based on. Oh, the really? full title is "In the Moonlight, Black Boys Look Blue." Oh, oh I did not know that. Um, this is a great scene. I love the role that Juan plays in Chiron's life at this early stage. Is yes. it's all about like empowering him. Mm-hmm. Like when the scene opens up, Juan is giving this speech about how there's black people everywhere in the world, and don't ever feel like yeah. you're, you're alone or like, um. Like, we may be a minority, but everywhere you go, there's black people. Yep. And he's like, I'm from Cuba. And Chiron is like, are there black people in Cuba? And he's like, there's a lot of black people in Cuba. <laughs> you may not hear about it based on living in Miami. Like, he's alluding to the fact that l- the Latino culture is right. mm-hmm. definitely, like, Eurocentric. But, um, so I like that. And then, like, immediately it launches into him, like, teaching Little how to swim, which is, like, such a cool scene, like, he's taking this fatherly role. He doesn't have to. Mm-hmm. He just sees this kid who's like sort of down down on his luck. Yeah, I love how he's just kind of like, his mom doesn't care where he is, so he might as well just raise this kid, I guess. Yeah, he's just, I mean, he's just well, being a good influence. Plus he has the means because he has money, so yeah. he doesn't mind buying And he's not working a nine-to-five job. Right. Yeah. But yeah, he, he sort of becomes this like mentor-like role. We so, also sort of get a little bit of the mom too where um, she's obviously, we well, we do find that, um, well, while Juan is working, um, he finds his mom and like some random dude in a car smoking uh, crack. Yeah, smoking crack. And uh, she was like, "Well, what are you gonna do? Are you gonna raise your my son for me or whatever?" And yeah, it was like this whole big confrontation, and it was really uncomfortable. And the heart of that confrontation is that she's like, "You don't have any right to judge me for doing drugs because you're the one selling me the drugs." Yeah, and she, and he sort of like balks at that, and she's like, "No, no, you can't play that." Like you'd get it somewhere card. She's like, I'm getting it from you. Yeah. Yeah. That was rough. There was also a really, sorry, I don't mean to keep cutting you off, Jeff, but there was a really good scene too, where, um, uh, it's like just a scene of her yelling at a Chiron and she's just like, it's completely silent or whatever. And she walked into like, this like pink room. It's supposed to be like this sultry, like, I don't know. I really like that little scene. So if I may, <laughs> uh, this movie is broken up into three sections. Uh, this is the first section, Little, we've been talking about. And we've pretty much covered this section. There's one last scene in here that's like my most emotional scene in the movie. Which is what, why I'm setting this up and explaining oh, it. Okay. The end I thought you were going to launch into the second no, one. No, it's the end of the segment, which is a very big part. And I'm going to use a word that people might not want to hear, but it's in the movie. And I think it's important. Coming from a 10-year-old's mouth. Um Littles asks Juan. Well, he's at dinner with Juan and, and Teresa. Teresa, and he he just says, "What's a faggot?" Mm-hmm. And it's such an emotional, strong scene because, like, a ten year old shouldn't have to ask that question, um, especially if they're starting to. Because I mean, I don't know when kids start to like have these sexual feelings, but it's younger than a lot of adults think, and a lot of adults forget that. Um, but it's probably around that age. So if mm. he's just like, oh, this is this is what my body starts to like and he has to go through all this and he doesn't know and he's getting abused for it when like he walks into a room of people showing their wieners and it's like a joke to them. But then those same people are calling him this word yeah. and making him feel bad. And I think that it was uh, I mean, Dan, if you want to take it, what what Juan was telling him. Yes, I think Juan gives pretty much the perfect response, which is that word is something that people use to make gay people feel bad is mm-hmm. basically what he says. Right. And he said, and, um, uh, I just forgot his name. Little Chiron says like, am I a faggot? And he's like, no, you're not. And he's like, you may be gay, but you don't ever have to let anyone call you that name. Right. So again, it's about, um, and, and this is pretty progressive thinking from a drug dealer, an African American, American male drug dealer in the 80s slash 90s yeah in Miami so but he's basically saying like it's about empowerment and like knowing yourself and having pride in yourself it's and this is why I think that earlier scene at the beach is so important because it sets up that this is Juan's opinion and you know what I'm saying it doesn't come out of left field he's like no it's like you may be gay but you still don't no one can disrespect you. Mm-hmm. And going back to what you said too, I, I was struggling because like it's a good scene and I like that it happened between like this surrogate father figure, but I don't know if it's believable because of who this character is, like just this hard ass drug dealer from Miami not, in the though. time period. But yeah, so I was but I'm I was I'm trying to decide while watching this, like yeah, is this realistic? I'm not sure. 
I think based on like the interactions that we see between Juan and Teresa in their house, you see that she even says, um, I can't remember if this is in the first section or the second. It's in the second. I apologize. But you, you'll get further clarification when she tells Chiron to keep his keep his head up. Mm-hmm. That, again, everything in her house is about love and pride. So you, she doesn't want to see. And, and I think that sheds a little bit of more light into this. Um, and then there's one last little interaction in the scene where um, uh, Juan is talking to Chiron about his mom. And Chiron basically says, like, I hate her. Yep. And and that leads into the second part titled yeah. Chiron. And um, his mom is a full-blown junkie now. Mm-hmm. He's in high school. Uh, he's probably like a junior or senior, right? Would yeah, you say I'd that? say like it's 16, around 16, 17-ish. Yeah. Um, yeah, she's just a junkie. She's, like, begging him for his money. And it's like they physically fight about it. Yeah. And um, he's at, his home life's degrading. Um, you can see in school... People are calling him little, but now he's like older and he's like, I don't like that name, but they're still bullying him. It's these same kids just constantly, constantly picking on him. Um, and Kev is like, he's still like kind of his friend and on his side, but still also like one of the not popular kids, but like one of the crowd. Yeah. yeah. By the way, we should go back to one little thing too, which is that in the argument between um, Chiron's mom, I forget it, Paula's? Her Paula, name, yes. Between Paula and Juan, when Juan catches her smoking crack, she says to Juan, um, you know why they make fun of him. They see the way he walks, and she does this very feminine walk. Yeah. And she alludes to the fact, and then the next scene, we see Chiron asking what the F word means. So to me, it became clear that in the argument between Chiron and his mom, she basically called him that. Oh, mm-hmm. I didn't even notice that. Yeah, or put that out. And that's why it goes into him hating his mom. Oh, yeah. But I'm sorry to interrupt you. But. Yeah, so I mean, this second segment, like, it's just a lot of the same stuff that happened. So I I didn't really want to dissect, like, every single part of it. Um, If there's anything that stands out, like, definitely. But basically, you're just building up to this kid keeps getting bullied and bullied. And one of uh, the classmates is bullying him, calls him the F word again. Mm-hmm. and um also says that his mom is a prostitute which she probably is at this yeah point. so yeah. then the, the teacher kicks him out kicks that kid out of class but then like i don't know if it's the same day or what but he comes he come, he's back in class but then uh sharon doesn't care about that and he's he's like he's finally pushed over the edge and the big and the important part about this is that he comes back with a chair Oh yeah, this is. Or am I skipping over like yeah, skipping over important oh, okay, stuff? Yeah. yeah. So we'll get there. Um, the first interaction that we see with adolescent Kevin is he meets up with Chiron in the hallway and talks about how he's got detention because he was <laughs> hooking up, <laughs> let's say hooking up with, yeah. with a classmate in a stairwell and got caught. <clears throat> and um, uh, there's a little bit of like heartbreak in in Chiron's face. Yeah. And and then the next scene, he's his mom tells him she doesn't want him around tonight. She's got a guy coming over. So he goes to Teresa's house, and this is the interaction that I was just talking about, where she tells him, you know, keep your chin up. Like, she doesn't want to see him moping around the house. Like, he needs to have pride. And um, while he's sleeping there, he has a nightmare that Kevin is in the backyard outside the house having sex with a yeah. woman. Yeah, And that's, like, very upsetting to him. Yeah, yeah. So then we see a big scene between... Um, Kevin and Chiron at the beach. Yeah, yeah so they go the to the beach. Comes back. It's another very pivotal scene. They have a very touching moment. Yeah, so they go to the beach and um, they're they're kind of just uh, shooting the shit. They're just kind of talking, and um, they were I think smoking a blunt as well. And, yeah. Um, I don't remember how it comes up, but basically Kevin was was asking him if he's been with anybody or something. I don't remember exactly how it came up, but eventually they end up just kind of looking at each other and they have a little smooch. And oh, a little oh. smooch turns into a big handy. Yeah. Big, quick, tight squeezer. Yeah. So that was interesting. I was definitely taken back by it when I first saw it. And it is awkward adolescent fumbling, but there is a level of intimacy there. Yeah. Like his head's on his shoulder and yeah, stuff. Yeah. They have their arms around each other. So it was it, adorable. It is. <laughs> yeah. It is more. At least I took it as it's not just a physical like yeah 
expression. Well, it's definitely Chiron's there, first sexual experience, you know? And there is emotion between the two of them. Yeah. And Kevin initiates it, which is sort yep. of surprising. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I like the scene a lot. Oh, I do too. And it, I like how they classically ended it with him using the sand as a J-rag. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember that, but that's funny. Scraping the tapioca pearls off on the beach. That was great, too. That that, that scene is super pretty shot. It actually and, was really well done, and I'm yeah. just making a jizz joke about it. But, I love um, the blue, the, the color blue in that shot. Yeah. And then, so then we sort of get to where Jeff Yeah, I, I skipped. I, for some reason, I thought that was later. Um, yeah, so he gets. We also called. get to a confrontation between him and Kev as well, right? That we're skipping over is, um, because I, because he's part of that crowd. Um, the the dude that what was uh, the game sh- that they played? Um, knock down, stay down. I don't remember. I think that was called. So the main bully asked Kev if he ever played this game. I think it was called Knock Down, Stay Down, where he's like, basically like, if you're cool, you'll do this, and you'll mm-hmm. be like one of the cool kids. Yeah, and he just like tells him to go knock somebody out whoever he decides um and he picks uh chevron Chevron. and kev goes and he punches him like out of nowhere and when he go he goes to get back up and kev is like no stay down like he's begging to stay down so he doesn't have to do it again and then the crowd just attacks him and it's kind of like the edge of 17 scene where the the two secret guy lovers i forgot their names now because it's been so long but brad and his boyfriend where like he has to like he punches them in the cafeteria. Oh, you mean perks of being a wallflower? Was that what it was? Yeah, the perks yeah. of being a wallflower. Coming of age tales, everybody. <laughs> it's a lot of similar. I was like, that's not in the. A lot of similar movies. Um, yeah. yeah, and then like the crowd just beats the shit out of him, like yeah. bloodies him up, and he's on the ground. And that was that's what that pushes him over. Point. Yeah, yeah. So this is when uh, Chiron goes and just, and I don't know, like why nobody got in trouble for it because like it obviously had like he was very very heavily beaten not just like pushed into a locker um but they're all back in class and he just goes and gets a chair and knocks his dude the f out and it was so satisfying because i wanted to do that so many times not only in high school but just in like my personal life (laughs) just knock people out but i don't because i'm a wuss and i'm not violent but I, I think about it a lot. It's funny because probably for the best. I yeah. wrote I wrote down this note. I just went back to it because I didn't I I was looking through them and I said <laughs> I meant to say at one minute the man is pulling your pud and the next he's kicking the shit out of you. <laughs> but pud was misspelled to PhD. I was like, pulling your PhD, what is that? <laughs> pud. <laughs> but uh yeah, that, that scene is so good when he's smashing the chair over it. I was like, that's unfortunate that it it literally changed his entire way of life after that yeah but, no uh, it did because like up until now like he's a smart kid he's yeah. a good kid then this happens we go into the third segment automatically like instantly mm-hmm. and it's called black so now he goes by black yeah which is something that kev called him in, in uh the chiron segment yeah so right name he gave him um so we find out he's out of prison so he did some time for oh, that yeah. and like maybe other stuff i'm sure and he's def he's selling drugs he's moved to atlanta he got out of miami now he's the Juan character. Yep. And I didn't notice at first. I noticed later, but like Juan's gone. Like he's not in the movie. Yeah, he died. Anymore. Yeah, they allude in the second half that he's dead. Oh, I didn't even catch that. Yeah. They said that the last time they, the bully said that the last time they saw Teresa was at the funeral. Or no, his mother, Paula. Yeah. Said the last time she saw Teresa was at the funeral. Oh, see, I didn't pick up on that. Yeah, I didn't know it was yeah. Juan. I realized later, I'm like, they just stopped talking about Juan. But then I'm thinking like in real life, they wouldn't be like, oh, hey, where's Juan? Or like, where's this guy you knew 20 yeah, years ago? Yeah. It just like, it would never come up. But so was he like, was still in realistic. contact with Teresa. So something yeah. brought him out of the picture. Yeah, they allude to the fact that he's dead. Oh, okay. So, okay. But now Black is a big, tough, muscular, grill-wearing, scary drug dealer in yeah. Atlanta. So he's I love, transformed himself. I love the shot of um, he he's rolling up in his, his nice-ass car and... Uh, they open up the shot. They they mount the camera to the car. When the, the door opens, you can see the person that's coming in, and you can see the door closing as he's coming in. But it was such a cool shot. I've never seen that done before. Sorry, I'm just geeking out on camera shots. But it's pretty good. I was like, I really like that. It was like in Drive when there was a chase scene, but from inside the car. Yeah, yeah. It was cool. Yeah. Yeah. So Black. So this is the story of... Um, uh of chiron as he is in his um uh he's maturing as an adult now um he's i would say he's mature at this point he's this big guy he definitely had muscled up he's putting up a front as we uh as 
Kev yeah, says later on. He's physically mature, but emotionally, he's very yeah, immature. He's still the same guy. He is, in the years between, he has decided to bury all of his feminine nature, I would say. Yeah. And his desires. Mm-hmm. He's put up this front of this alpha male right. drug dealer, tough guy. Yeah. It's just so crazy how that one event changed his entire life. There's a lot of scenes that mirror the way that Juan ran his business, mm-hmm. the way he's interacting with his street level guys and stuff like that. Yeah, they're in the room and he's um, uh, he's kind of like intimidating that kid, and uh, he was like, "I'm just kidding. You you need to find out when somebody's messing with you." Yeah, he's like, "The money's here. It's fine." Yeah. <laughs> um, and then he gets a call from Kev. Yeah, randomly, and like. <clears throat> I don't know how to get his number. Well, like, he's also been get getting touch. calls from his mom who's in rehab now and she wants him to visit. And yeah. it seems like she's been trying to get him to visit and he's not doing that. Yeah. Understandably so. But then as Jeff said, he gets a call from Kevin um, who invites him to come back to Miami. And what a coincidence. He decides he'll go to visit his mom and Kevin yeah. in Miami. Yep. Um, That night he wakes up and he's had a, a wet dream yeah. over it. Which is pretty interesting. Yep. It's very yeah, all those feelings are coming back up again. Yep. And maybe they weren't so well buried. Yeah. Um, so he goes to visit his mom at the rehab and they basically have a big confrontation and he sort of lets her know like the things that she did to him and how she messed him up and stuff. And then she apologizes for being not a great mom and mm-hmm. not showing him the love that um he needed and she finally ends it like by saying that she loves him yeah even if he doesn't love her back yeah it was kind of a redeeming scene for her at least a little bit yeah i mean i don't think she was a bad person i think she was a person who was let her addiction yeah overpower her i could see that so then he goes to um the restaurant that uh what's his name kev works at and he's kind of like, oh, you came. Like, they they kind of, like, lock eyes at each other. Yeah. And uh, and this course, is Andre Holland, Kevin. Yeah, yeah. yeah I recognize him from Castle Rock. Yep. Yeah. And um, so they kind of start to catch up again. And um, Kevin has a kid now from an ex-girlfriend. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, do you want to take it away, Dan? Um, yeah, I mean, they're just, like, reminiscing and stuff like that. He basically, Chiron opens up to him about um, that he's a drug dealer and um, Kev, they're sort of just like saying like, why did you decide to get in contact with me and stuff? Yeah. And I just noticed that this dude is always eating. Like every big scene, he's he's eating, and it's great. And That's I, true. I, I, yeah. love his I thought you were going to say something really deep. You pulled out your notes and you're like looking at me and I'm like... I didn't write too much down because this was like... This was the longest of the three segments, yeah. but I think that it had the least amount of stuff plot-wise. Yeah, plot-wise because a lot of it is just like these long stretches. Like there's a long camera shot when um so Kev says that he called him because a song came on that reminded him yep. of Chiron. Then he goes over to the jukebox to put the song on. So the camera like follows him walking to the jukebox, playing the song, follows. So it's like these long shots with not a lot of stuff in them, but that that's good because it builds up like this awkward tension, which I think is realistic mm. um, in that moment. Cause like they haven't seen each other in 20 years. They, you know, they were kind of friends back then, but they did have this big moment. It, clearly it was a life changing moment for all of them. Yeah. Um, but I just, I don't know. And, and basically like Kevin says, like he's happy with his life, even though it didn't turn out the way he wanted it to. Yeah, and then Chiron oh. tells him that he's the only person that ever touched him. Yeah, and he's never been intimate with anyone else, and he mm-hmm. can never accept that about himself. And Kevin is just, like, there for him. They embrace. It's kind of ambiguous if it's, like, a friend thing or more. I think it's more romantic. Yeah. I think that's how it. That's how the movie ends, Well, with them embracing. And then we but. get a flashback to Little on the beach at Moonlight. Yeah. So it. Is this like finally him coming to terms with this part of himself? Is he finally like embracing this hurt child inside of him? That's how I took it. That's how it feels. Yep. 
So, Jeff. That's the movie. <laughs> what'd you think of Moonlight? Overall, I thought it was pretty slow. I didn't talk about that too much because, like, as we're talking about it, we're, like, <laughs> dissecting this yeah. stuff. But, like, this stuff, the information we're given is, like, over the course of the movie. It's it's not like, mm-hmm. I don't I don't know. Um, it is a slower paced movie, but I think yeah. that that's, that's in there to have things permeate a little bit more. Right. So just the, the pace was slow, but like Jimmy was gushing about how it was made. Like it's, it's a beautiful movie mm-hmm. just to look at. Um, this is probably one of my favorite shot movies. Yeah. It's ev- everything about it just looks great. And the um, DP is the same as uh, if Beale street could yep. talk, Jim. Yeah. I said the same thing when we saw it. Yeah. The DP director of photography. Oh, that's the, uh, <laughs> That's what that means. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, the acting was great. It was uh yeah. It's not a big plot movie. It's no. a it's a character yeah. piece. Yeah. So I guess we have that little question that we like to do at the end of these shows. The whole purpose of it. Jeff, did Dan and I talk you into Moonlight? No. Aww, and I was I was on, torn Jeff. I was torn by by this and uh, it's it was a tough one a tough decision for me Mm. to make because it was a well-made movie but i based this on since it's just one movie there's nothing else Mm -hmm. to like watch after this there's no sequels or right there's a book i just found out um but like was it good yes it was will i watch it again no, it's not something that mm. I think I needs a rewatch. I got everything out of it the first time. Um, and I'm just, I'm not talked into it because I think that I, I get that the pace was slow. Just like I said, like it builds up that like weird anxiety in it. Yeah. But it, it's such a simple movie. Like the whole story is just so simple and it could have been like a half hour and I would have gotten the exact same thing out of it. I just think that it was, I don't know. I could see it as a short film. Um, yeah, it just seemed it's tough because as we were talking about it, I was like, it might be a yes because like it, it's good. Like there, there is a lot. We just had a half hour discussion on something with like, there's not a lot of words like, yeah. for a movie. There's not a lot of that. And I, I didn't really feel that the connection between little and Kev was like real. Like, I know it's there and they show points and like you are jumping. So I don't expect them to like throw it in your face and spell it out. But I never really felt like there was anything. It just felt more like an experimental fling. It didn't feel like love or Mm. like desire or romance. I don't think it is love. I think it's representative of Chiron's acceptance of his own homosexuality. But you would like so we're never told how long i'm assuming 25 years that's just what i put in my head from like when he's little to when he's black right so like you're going two and a half decades without any sort of trying to go on a date with like even another guy or a girl if you're trying to hide but, your sexuality like nothing but that's just- the importance of the first two vignettes to show that he was literally tortured for having these feelings right so he made a decision to bury it I can see that. And that's why I think the end, the embrace between him and Kevin is really about an embrace of himself. It's about a level of acceptance. That's why we see little in the moonlight. I I don't look at it as him and Kevin are going to end up together. No, no, that that's not what I got either. But it just, I don't know. I couldn't, I couldn't jump into that world and believe it. It just didn't really mm. capture me. Mm. I get the story. Like, it's a good story. Yeah. But it just, it didn't like move my heart. Like I thought it was going to, because I've heard it won best picture. Mm. I mean, you, like it, it's a good movie. I'm not saying it's not. If you look at the interactions between, um, Chiron and Kevin in the second vignette, and then how they ended in the end of the third, it's really like two ends of a book because the ultimate betrayal, if Kevin represents the acceptance of his homosexuality, right. the fact that he literally punched him in the face and betrayed him was the ultimate scorn. And then by taking the step to call him as an adult. His redemption. Yeah. 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 So to me, that's the heart of the movie. And I think you need the first two vignettes to show the stakes, like the pressure that was put on him to hide this part of and, himself. And I get it. And I do like that. 
but even like the third segment i think was 45 minutes and it was just dreadfully boring while watching it like when, when they were you know talking and like when they went back to his apartment and they had that mm-hmm. conversation like in the last five minutes that was good but mm-hmm. everything in the diner was so slow and just maybe because i, I saw this in the theater i was that more engaged i was engaged um, like i yeah. i wasn't like you know playing on my phone or mm-hmm. distract or anything no, like, i, I was you. fully committed to this i had the pen in my hand the whole time mm-hmm. you know i was i don't know i just it's not a movie i would rewatch but okay. it's not a bad movie so in the audience maybe you should just watch it yeah just watch it once see if you like it yeah i i actually enjoyed rewatching it more than i thought i would i haven't seen it Me since, too. It's, since it's i didn't see it in theaters but i saw it as soon as it came out on like dvd blu-ray mm-hmm. and i haven't seen it since and i really liked rewatching it I think I sort of picked up on some of those themes. Yeah, me too. Earlier. I definitely picked up on a lot of stuff. Well, Jeff, it's a shame that we weren't able to talk you into Moonlight. It's a darn shame. Uh, next week. We got a big one. We haven't really talked about this on the show yet. We have not one special guest. How many? Two special guests. <laughs> That's what? right. That's, That's because this topic is so important. 100% more special guests than you were led to believe. Yes. Whoa. Jimmy. Yes. Jeff and I are talking you into something that is so big, so monumental. That we need help we need from to our call mentors. Back up. From our senseis. Yes. <laughs> Jeff, what are we talking Jimmy into? We are talking Jimmy into Bruce Springsteen with the help of Dan. The Bruce Bros. Yes. <laughs> For Bru- those of you who don't know, which is everybody in the audience. Yeah. The Bruce Bros consist of Dan, myself, my dad, Five Star Brian. Five Star Brian. And my Uncle Keith. And uh, it's an unofficial name that we've given to our group who has seen several Bruce Springsteen <laughs> live concerts. And we do Bruce things together. He yeah. hasn't been touring. We watched the Netflix Broadway thing on the night of release yep. together. We saw Ooh. Western Stars, the movie in theaters together. Yep. We saw, uh, what was the other movie that just came out? The Bruce Springsteen on Broadway. I just nope. said that. We saw one in theaters. That, Western Stars. Nope. We saw one before that that you didn't show up for because you were sick, a little sick boy, but you were invited. <laughs> there was another Bruce one? Blinded by the Light. We saw Blinded by the Light in theaters. Oh, The fictional yeah. movie about the kid who I becomes did. a huge Bruce Springsteen I didn't fan. miss that. I was a sick boy. Jeff ruined the legacy, the perfect attendance <laughs> of the Bruce Bros. But they'll be here in the next episode. We're going to have them on mic. We're going to talk to you about over 40 years of Bruce Springsteen love. Oh, boy. And we're going to force you to fall in love with the boss. I don't know, man. It's been 20 years and you still haven't done it, so we'll see. Wow. We've never had this level of commitment. <laughs> we're going to circle you. <laughs> Physically. Like vultures? Yeah. yeah. You're going to be in the middle of the room and we're going to tie you down. Bruce. <laughs> Jimmy, you will be brucing with us. Mm-hmm primally like those calls that we just did we'll find out next week that's how so I, that's how i should let you know if i was talked into it well that's a good idea yeah and if you weren't you'll just go no thanks <laughs> in the meantime there are ways to find us online so we should probably do that yeah they can find us at talk me into on twitter and talk me into on facebook and if you feel so inclined you can send us an email talk me into at gmail.com Tell us what we should be talking each other into. We also have a website that we don't talk about too often. Yeah, it sucks. Talkmeinto.com. It's got what you need. I've been going to talkmeinto.edu. Yeah. It's wildly different in that it doesn't exist. (laughs) It's angelfire.com backslash backslash W4. Oh, Oh, I was more of a home home front boy. Yeah. Angelfire.com slash punk4 slash SIB slash enter.html. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Go look that up on uh, the Internet Archive. Talkmeinto.cjb.net. Wow. <laughs> Talk me into .tk. Yep. From the Tikalau Islands. Other than those websites, where can they pe- where can people find you <laughs> online? Jeff, how about you first? Uh, you could find me on Instagram at Large Hard on Collider and on Twitter at Ascond J E F F F F F two seven. Daniel. Yes, you could find me on Twitter under the name Danny underscore breakdown. Jim. They can find me at Son of a Fitch, S-O-N-N-A-B-A. F-I-T-C-H. Thank you for listening to Talk Me Into. What will we talk you into next? The Rangers had a homecoming in Harlem late last night.
Thank you for listening to Talk Me Into, the podcast where a group of friends try to talk each other and maybe even you into liking what we like. Can you do that over? That's super low energy. Wasn't really? You know, yeah, it was it like... It was pretty low. It sounded like you were really bored Thank you for listening it. to Talk okay. Me Into. Wow, I never got directorial notes It's before. the first time it's ever happened. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Talk Me Into, the podcast where... Too group- fast. <laughs> I'm trying to make it not sound exactly the same every time. Thank you for talking... Dude, in that class, we would just, because she would give us passes to go wherever we wanted in the school. Yeah. And we would just like. That was outside. Mr. Peterson for us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We would just like, to, as long as we had a camera with us, people were like, teachers, what are you doing here? Oh, we're in this class. We have to film this thing. Yeah. And we were just <laughs> hanging outside. <clears throat> High school was weird. Jeff, you can, because I started the episode. All right. Yeah. Right. The guy who has nothing to talk no, about. No, I'll come up with something stupid. While you speak. Yeah. <laughs> I'm talking myself into couches. Couches. Have you heard of them? They make your butt feel good and they're relaxing on your body. Couches. Get a couch from the couch guy. Hungry for apples? Buy a couch. <laughs> Do you want me to start it? Because you introduced the topic? Sure. Yeah. As long as you say okay, fellas. <clears throat> nope.